recording with some afternoon tea. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 351 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly. I'm joined by Latrice, who's just jumped off the living room table and is probably going to start scratching the window in a minute. You'll hear her in the background because she wants to go out and come back in all the time. And by Andres. Hello and welcome. Welcome back, Andres. Uh, And indeed, thank you for being able to be here because we had some difficulty finding a suitable recording uh, slot this week because I've been really busy. Um... No, and apart from that, there is there are some matches of uh, competitors. Exactly, which yeah. both are at a time in which we usually re- record. So and both of them involve. Yes. Well, one involves Boca and one involves River. Um, the Boca Juniors game is kicking off in two hours and five minutes from when we record, so it will have been played by the time this goes online. Um, but we preferred at least to be able to record uh, before it, and then at least be able to watch the game. You'll obviously. For those of you who, who don't follow the Libertadores uh, closely day to day, I'll give you the full time score of it at the very end. It's time, first of all, to mention that we are sponsored by Fanatis. Our listeners in the United States can watch the Copa Libertadores live and the Copa Sudamericana and La Liga and a uh, load of other competitions via their tie ins with um, Gold TV and be in sport and listeners all over the world including the United States as long as you're outside Argentina um, can watch the Superliga the Copa Argentina um, and the Copa de la Superliga when it kicks off later in the season all either live or on demand through Fanatis online platform to find out more about this to get a 7 day trial and to get 20% off your first 3 months with them you can go to fntz.co slash hop and use the discount code HOPFZ. I will repeat that one more time in case you're frantically scribbling to write it down. FNTZ.co slash HOP and the discount code is HOPFZ. Thank you to Fanatis for their support. And now, onward. What did Fanatis subscribers get to enjoy last weekend in the Superliga? The following things happened. Argentinos Juniors beat Banfield 3-2 uh, at home. And Tacheres and Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero drew 1-1 in Córdoba. Um, on Saturday, Newell's Old Boys got a 2-0 home win over Unión de Santa Fe. San Lorenzo came back from 2-0 down. Did they come back from 2-0 down? Yes. They did, didn't yes. they? Yeah. Uh, to draw 2-2 um, against Rosario Central. And then I hope you're sitting down for this one. Uh, Champions of Argentina, Racing Club, played, hosted the champions of South America, River Plate, and uh, it was River who came out victors, which in itself isn't that surprising, because River have kind of a habit of beating Racing uh, when both teams are taking the game seriously. What was more surprising was the scoreline, Racing 1, River 6. Yes, you heard that correctly. On Sunday, in the morning kickoff, Patronato beat Huracan 2-1 in Paraná, 
Um, and then in the afternoon, Defensa y Justicia suffered a 3-0 defeat to Arsenal de Sarandí, who keep up as a result. They're, they've got a 100% record so far, right? They've yeah, three out of three. I don't yeah. know whether which result is more surprising, if River defeating 6-1 Racing or this one. Mm. Well, yeah, indeed. Uh, we will discuss that precise question, possibly, in, in just a few minutes' time. Yes. Uh, Lanús got a 3-1 home win over Belé Sarsfield in a wonderfully bad-tempered match. And Boca Juniors got a pretty simple 2-0 win over Aldo Sibi. And then there were three games on Monday because it, was, uh, it wasn't a bank holiday, um, but it was a bank holiday observed uh, because the actual day of this event was on Saturday. Uh, so to commemorate the death of the great liberator of Argentina, José de San Martín, um, we had a day off work on Monday. And most people... The, those who have office jobs and stuff had days off work. Obviously, I didn't because I'm freelance. I'm yes, it was you. mostly holidays. Uh, of course, it was not a, a, a national holidays. Like uh, uh, there were people working anyway, but uh, it was treated like uh, like as it was a, a real holiday. Precisely. Um, so on Monday there were three games, and those finished Atlético Tucumán one, Godoy Cruz nil, Colón de Santa Fe two, Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata one. And Estudiantes, three, Independiente, nil. Plenty of goals to talk about. Plenty of talking points to talk about. And I think that the only place that we can possibly begin is in the Cilindro. Um, where, as I said, River beating Racing isn't exactly an unusual uh, result. But this result in particular, the scoreline, um, was historic. Um, you were messaging me. <laughs> A couple of hours before the game, Andres, asking whether there was a way that uh, you might be able to, that the TV people might repeat it later on because you weren't going to be able to catch it. And I, I was slightly concerned. I, I was relieved to hear yesterday that you were, in fact, able to watch at least the first half of the game. Yes. Um, what did you take away from it? Yes, well, I must admit, and I, I told you when uh, we talked last, uh, yesterday, um, that I was able to watch first half because I finally went out after after... The, the final whistle of the first half and uh, I thought well this is it it's 3-1 it's a great advantage it's a good match from River I can go now well <laughs> when I realized that the match had finished 6-1 and River had scored another 3 in the second half that was well I, I, I was amazed I was of course happy I was glad but I was as surprised as anyone because uh, even when River has been showing a great form, and uh, they proved against Lanús that they were they were uh, considering taking seriously Superliga or taking ser- serious Superliga seriously. Uh, no one could have thought, n- n- not uh, not even the most op- optimistic River supporter, to defeat uh, Racing for that difference. And uh, even when Racing was showing or has had shown not the best uh, performance and, and, and couldn't still play the way they played when they became champions. Uh, so, yes, it was really... And, and the way that uh, that River got the advantage because uh, they took advantage of the poor defin- def- uh, defending from Racing uh, and uh, proof, of, proof of that is that they scored mostly on counter-attack and they were losing. Mm. Yeah, Racing actually took the lead. Um, we've spoken many times on Hand of Pod about Eduardo Caldet's opinion of Franco Armani as a goalkeeper. He keeps frustrating him, um, particularly for Racing, where since Caldet took charge of Racing, they hadn't scored against uh, Frank uh, against Armani um, in the River goal. 
Um, well, they did. Three minutes in, Augusto Solari scored a, a very nice goal against his former club to put them 1-0 up. Um, but the match really just completely ran away from Racing. That point in the in the first half, 35 minutes, um, Rafael Santos Borre equalised. A minute later, not even a minute of the ball being in play, but a minute of time passing later, he scored his second. Uh, and two and a half minutes, exactly two and a half minutes, 150 seconds after Santos Borre's first goal had hit the net, Matias Suarez put River 3-1 up. Um, Racing just didn't seem to know what had hit them. They looked, I mean, understandably, <laughs> they looked completely shell-shocked. Um, and then in the second half, as you say, River were able to uh, to sit back a little bit, play on the counter-attack, let Racing come on to them. Ignacio Fernandez with a penalty. Nicolas de la Cruz with a goal, which I think his overall performance deserved. He, he was pretty lively throughout. Um, and then substitute uh, Ignacio Ecoco headed in from a de la Cruz cross uh, to make it 6-1 with 20 minutes still to go. And at that point, you were wondering how much more, how much worse it could be. Um, the two, until Saturday, the two most one-sided results in the history of this fixture, which is the oldest derby um, in Argentine football, um, were River 5, Racing 0, and Racing 6, River 1. Those results took place about 12 months apart. One was in the 1942 Championship and one was in the 1943 Championship. Um, so the River's biggest win ever over Racing, if, if we go on goals scored, because it's still a 5-0, you know, 5-0, 6-1 is the same margin, but they, they scored more goals. Um, and it equals the biggest win ever in the history of this um, fixture. Uh, it, it was It was quite a shock. Um, and I mean, the, the questions I guess that we need to ask, we, don't, we knew that River were a decent team already, we knew that River were a team capable of scoring goals when they were taking matches seriously, um, and they did take this one seriously in spite of the upcoming um, Libertadores quarter-final first leg on Thursday night, which was, you know, nice to see, given some of our complaints and my complaints in particular recently about uh, not always taking every competition seriously. But what's going on with Racing this season? I mean, that, that, that's the, the, the big talking point, I think. It's a shame that Dan couldn't be with us this week. Um, but draw a, a very drab draw in the opening weekend against Union. They showed some decent spirit to fight back from 2-0 down two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Uh, before the international, uh, before the, the election break, sorry. Um, to, to draw 2-2 with Belles. And now this. Just completely at sea. Yes. They, they, well, they seem to have lost all of their intensity. Uh, what I would ask if I had a Racing, of course, well, Ignition couldn't, couldn't be here, uh, couldn't make it the, this time. Uh, and, well, I understand him if he uh, didn't want to, to be part of the of this episode because uh, it's, yes, it's it's really shocking for, for, for any Racing supporter. But what I would ask any, any of them is what happened to, for example, uh, I, I guess... Um, Sitanich is, is injured, or or, or or what happened to Cristaldo? Uh, as uh, the only uh, striker there was um, Licha Lopez, which yes was a great had a great movement for the opener, uh, uh, leaving Solari had uh, to help to with Armani, but uh, it's really really uh, uh, caught my attention, or or at least surprised me. Mm. The way that they are playing right now, and two months ago they were completely different, and and, and uh, they were a, a, a such intense team that there were uh, only a few teams that could stand that pressure, and now they are like a, a completely 
completely different team and uh, it's really hard to, to explain why. Yeah, we, we spoke last week about, oh, sorry, last week, last season, um, when Racing played River about how Eduardo Caldet at times, maybe because he's a former River player, seems to respect them perhaps a little bit too much. He always changes his system up about them uh, when, when, when River come up against them. I've seen a fair few Racing fans on Twitter complaining about precisely this. He messes the midfield around um, when there's not necessarily any reason to. This time around, it's maybe a little bit more justified by the fact that they'd started off with two draws and they're trying to defend the league title. Um, but it, it's a very... Uh, <sighs> strange sort of, of way to, to go about it, really, to uh, to be making these changes. I think Cristaldo, to answer your question, I think he had a knock because um, he, he played against Vélez, um, but it was uh, Lopez up front alongside Nicolas Reñero. Reñero, um, yes, the San Lorenzo. Start I, of the Racing game. I, I, the River game, sorry. Yes, I had said that uh, uh, Lisandro Lopez was there alone, but no, he was... Uh, uh, he played with Nicolas Reñero, the San Lorenzo promising striker, but... Uh, uh, he couldn't do anything. It was just uh, well. I don't know whether he uh, he well. He had a, a, a chance, not very clear chance uh, to score. But uh, uh, apart from that, he couldn't do anything, and that's of course something that must worry Godet because uh, the the players that Racing signed aren't uh, uh, still playing the way he perhaps might expect. No. Indeed. Um, for River, it, it's a good confidence boost, I guess, going ahead of the, the away. Aren't, are they away or at home tomorrow? You know, they, they are at home. They're at home, sorry. Yes, yes they are. Uh, against Cerro Porteño um, in the Libertadores quarterfinal first leg, which isn't going to be an easy fixture, but I think that River ought to feel like they should um, do rather better against Cerro Porteño than San Lorenzo did, shall we say. Um it, it was unusual, as I hinted, to see River actually taking uh, this match seriously, given how big the game in midweek is going to be. They put out not very far off a, a first-choice starting eleven. really, I would say. Lucas Prato, maybe, um, would start ahead of one of Matias Suarez or Rafael Santos Borre in a, in a full-strength Riverside. But other than that, considering that uh, Quintero is still injured... Um, it, it was it was a full strike. There, there was that question uh, these days whether uh, Gallardo will repeat the same team, taking into account the, the great match they played, or if he might uh, uh, put Prato in the starting lineup. Uh, and uh, uh, there were speculations about even uh, uh, whether Gallardo will will uh, play with three strikers and not to to quit uh, Suarez or Borre, but to make Prato play along with those uh-huh. two. Uh, that's a perhaps risky formation, but uh, I think Gallardo still, or unless if he has already decided it, uh, well, uh, we don't know that. Hmm. Yeah, um, we we will have to wait and see on Thursday night. Um, but yeah, that, that that's the fallout from uh, that massive the, the result of the weekend really and and uh, look what what was river match or the uh, how perfect was for for them that not just coco i think you mentioned him uh, scoring this the the last goal the sixth sixth goal it was his mm. coming back to the team oh, um, it was wasn't it yeah and he scored uh, yes he had played uh, some reserves uh, matches before and now he he was back in the for the first division match or for the first uh, 
team and the first minutes he, he played and he scored a, a great header. Uh, so everything was great for them. Yeah, uh, unsurprisingly really that, that result means that after only three games played, River have scored more than anybody else and Rasik have conceded more than anybody else. We would expect um, at least one of those statistics to change over the course of the season, obviously. And it, it does open up the very interesting possibility that River are actually going to take the league seriously this season. But we'll see what happens if they reach the semi-finals of the Libertadores. And if those semi-finals are against Boca Juniors, uh, then they will probably start to sack off league games either side of it to, to make sure they go through. Um, yeah, Boca, I think, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's more difficult uh, um Quarterfinals, but they have to play in the, of course, uh, in Quito, which is uh, it, it is difficult because of the city more, more than for the rival or yeah the altitude for both. yeah. But, uh, I think we, we mentioned the Rossi having that having played there or, or at least in the attitude, right? Uh, I think we we did. He was uh, expected to. Yes. I would have thought he'll start this evening, wouldn't he? I mean, obviously, by the time this goes online, this this bit of the discussion will be kind of out of date, so we, there's no point spending a lot of time on it. Um, but I would think that he's going to be part of the team and it'll be interesting to see how how he adapts, how he finds it. Um, there's a good reason to talk about Boca versus Aldo Sibi. Uh, Boca got a 2-0 win. There's not an awful lot to say about it, really. For the most part, they were pretty... staid, I, I think would be the best way to put it. Uh, De Rossi himself looked pretty sharp. Um, Carlos Tevez continued his late career renaissance with a goal um, and looked good himself and uh, Eduardo Salmio the new signing who's been completely overshadowed by De, by De Rossi's arrival I think is proving to be no less important he scored his third yeah. goal for Boca in his fifth appearance and of those five I think only two of them have been starts he came off the bench um, on Sunday and scored within about 10 seconds um, to, to make it 2-0 in a game in which Aldo Sibi really had kind of had had their fair share of it for the most part. Bocca's opener came only 10 minutes before half-time. Um, and up to that point, it had been... Uh, certainly for the first, what would you say, 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so, it was, it was pretty even, and really. And then after that, Bocca started to, to step on it a bit more. Um, and by the time Tevez uh, opened the scoring, I would say that Bocca fully deserved the lead. But after that, Aldersui didn't make it easy for them. They continued to press, they continued to harry... They improved massively after the break. And actually, I think, I would say, spent more of the second half attacking than Boca managed to. Um, but they, they end up with nothing to show from it, which is kind of a familiar story, or it feels like a familiar story from Aldo Sibi visiting uh, the big boys. Yes. And Boca is a team that perhaps still has, doesn't have a line of play or or that you can identify that Boca plays like this or like that. But, uh, uh, for example, the other day or the other night against Almagro, they... They suffer in, in because of their defending and they weren't very good. And this time it looked like after the the goal scored by Tevez that they, there weren't any any possibility for Aldo Civi to turn back that that result. Uh, even when they made it more even, like you said, and, and then Boca, it's like Boca scores and then they relax a bit and they don't uh, continue playing the same the same way. That's I think even when we don't have why we we don't have to compare everything about River and Boca. Mm. It's like Rivers uh, continues playing the same way, and they are they if they can they, they score more goals and and, and and pushes continues pushing. And Boca looks like like they are more relaxed and more quiet uh, when they score. And perhaps they knew 
that Tadosi wouldn't be able to to uh, well at least to score two and 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 and, and the game winning winning it. Uh, but yes, it's something that they it's like they a changing team that can play uh, quiet or can can play well with no no uh, difficulties or, or or with no problems against Aldosivi and then against Almagro uh, to be not very consistent. Yeah. So we have to see whether what happens with Boca and with the new signings, which are clearly I think they, they, we can say now uh, when we asked. Or when you asked about the the best signings or the best team that uh, in in terms of signings, and I said Boca, I think they are proving this because uh, Salvio, uh, the Russian, perhaps uh, Magister was great at the at the beginning and now he's more normal, but they they are proving that they had the best signings. Yeah, uh, and in fact, uh, mentioning McAllister, he didn't start against Aldo Sibi. He was replaced by Agostino Bando, who also had a pretty decent game, and he's he's quite a youngster. He's coming into the team. Um, The the point where I I kind of wonder whether um, it's part of the reason that Boca do seem to lack that bit of identity is up front, because Franco Soldano is the other other signing. who There was lots of talk after De Rossi came in that, oh, Boca are going to sign a a striker with European pedigree um, who has... Uh, a past in the Argentine Superliga and they were hoping like hell that they could make a way of making it sound like oh they're going to sign another European in some way Um, and what they actually did was sign Franco Soldano from Olympiacos or somebody wasn't it somebody in Greece Um, and he looked really disjointed um, up front against Aldo Sibi he he started ahead of Ramon Abila you would think of course that most of this team um, or at least half of the team was more or less mixed with one eye on this evening's match um, in the Libertadores because, I mean, you just have to look at the bench, really. Abila was on the bench, on new sub. Mauro Sarate uh, came on for Obando. Salvio, as I said, came on and scored a goal seconds later. Um, Alexis McAllister was a sub. Um, Paolo Goltz, probably one of the first-choice centre-backs, was a sub. Um, so Boca had, you know, it was, it was a mixed team, let's say. Um but yeah, it was just that it's that little that they, they, they're lacking something still, um, and this evening's game could, I think, be the chance to come together as a as a unit and to to lay down a marker perhaps for the rest of their season um, if they can get a result in Quito, you know, which isn't easy to to visit. So I'm not necessarily saying they need to get a crushing win, but a, a good performance in this match tonight um, would certainly help. Uh, moving on to other results, we've already mentioned Defensa Justicia Arsenal, and you asked whether Defensa Justicia, you know, what's happening with them and Racing. Um, did you manage to catch any of this game? Not really. Because um... no, nor did I. I was I was out. But I mean, <laughs> what is happening with Defensa Justicia? Because they have seriously fallen off. Their results so far this season have been in the league: one nil defeat to Independiente, who, of course, are the team who have taken Defensa Justicia's manager. Um, Sebastián Becasese a 2-1 defeat away to Unión and now a 3-0 defeat to Arsenal who in fairness um, have come up and have put together some really good results um, and some very impressive performances so far um, but it, it's a it, it's a strange one for Defensive Udicia to have fallen off so much obviously the main issue remains that massive amount of churn that they have with their squad they, they, they've changed with the exception of, of Nicolás Fernández um, Fernando Marquez up front. 
and yeah, there's they the only uh, signing goal. Squad change. And, and, and um, signing goal, yeah. I think Tripicchio was already. I don't know, know whether he played in the starting lineup, but, but he, he stayed from the past season. Mm. And Alexis Castro is another one who. Uh, I don't know whether he played there, but. He's he was a sub, Alexis Castro. Tripicchio was non used. Oh. Um, but yes, uh, we, we thought and we said that something like this could happen to Defensive Justicia, not at this this way of course uh, having lost all of three matches and not being even some a, 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 a bit or 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 being completely different compared to the to the to last season uh, with problems in, in midfield and in, in the last in the in the, in the back uh, at least for what I could watch in the short videos that we we are provided uh, uh, with the most important ma- uh, plays and the highlights that they are yes having tremendous or 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 Big problems in both lines, with a completely new team, a new a new coach. With, with you, you played saying so so with so so. Well, yes, he's <laughs> more than so so right now because <laughs> they are really uh, in a big problem. Because Arsenal, uh, uh, we can't say Arsenal is a team that are consolidated or are a solid team that are playing together since a long time ago. Uh, but anyway, they, they they were able to to. To make a disaster there with with defensa, yeah, um, it, it it they still don't look like. I mean, the, so the first thing obviously is that during the Copa Superliga last season, Defensa Justicia looked much less intense right from the off, and they went out to was it Gimnasia? They got eliminated by in the first round or the first round that they played, um, and then obviously with with all of the changes to the squad over the winter, it's it's not been good at all. There's no kind of continuity there. Um, Arsenal. Hopefully, I will be able to catch Arsenal this coming weekend. Uh, because I feel like I've only caught highlights of all of their matches so far. Um, and they are going great guns. So I'm going to have to make more of an effort to, to see them this weekend. Um, elsewhere, the other really big game, or the, or the other talking point, I should say, for me, um, is the fact that San Lorenzo continue to not be absolutely appalling to watch. Um, they, they don't find it that easy to win games, necessarily. This 2-2 draw at home to Central... Um, means that so far in this league season they've got um, they, 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 of course I'm getting their uh, Libertadores results mixed up with their league results they have in fact won two games um, and drawn one so it was the first, first time that they had dropped points um, but uh, they're, they don't always look the most stable particularly at the back but it's a hell of a lot more entertaining than watching yes. the absolute dross that we were being served up last season Um even with Fernando Bellucci still in the starting lineup more times than he's not, uh, which, as I mentioned before, I think is a, is a little bit weird that they're still relying on him for creativity a lot. Um, but he scored. He's, he seems to be back on top of his game. Lucas Menossi um, is slotting into the midfield nicely. Um, and Bruno Pitoni is another one who scored again and, yeah. and looks like they're, uh, I think, a revelation. Because, of course, it's you can say it's a, he... He's a bad player, or that he uh, wasn't good enough for for Union. But uh, I think he has scored. I don't. I wouldn't say more goals uh, in two matches in Lorenzo than in his whole career in Union. But uh, two consecutive goals, not being a striker, uh, and proves to be a, 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 a surprise for Lorenzo, a good one, of course. Um, and they could have won that match. I don't know whether Barreiro missed the penalty when they were down to one down in the score, but he well, it was hilarious, even it was worse than the penalty. 
he also had Panenka or, or, or chipping that ball, but throwing it up I, from the. I knew he wasn't going to score it during the run-up because he was fannying around so much in the run-up. And whenever a player run, takes a run-up for a penalty like that, you just think he, he's he's trying to be too clever. He's overthinking this. He's going to something's going to go wrong. Like if it does go in, then it's going to be because the goalkeeper guesses the wrong way rather than because it's actually a very good penalty. And sure enough, he tried to panenka it and put it over the crossbar. I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a player panenka a penalty over the bar. Um, I don't know how you do that if you're a professional footballer. I have just looked up Bruno Piton's statistics from last season. Um, last season, playing for Union, uh, he scored one goal. And the season before that, he scored none. Um, so he has already doubled his <laughs> his tally from the whole of the last two years uh, of league football um, since he joined San Lorenzo. Um, but yeah, Barreiro is, is the big villain, really, because San Lorenzo should have won the game. In fact, I'll have a look at the score when, when he missed it. Was, it was indeed 2-1 to Central. Um, it, was, it was just uh, uh, 10 minutes after Fernando Bellucci um, pulled Central back into the game. And about nine minutes before Piton's equaliser. Um, anyway, yes, it's yeah. a big credit for, for a team that was losing 2-0 two, two after 20 minutes. Uh, but yeah, they could recover and, and going ahead. Of course, you are losing 2-0 and you will go ahead. And you will try to 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 score. But uh, not easy for a team that uh, is trying to recover from the elimination of, of Copa Libertadores. Um, yes, it's of course it's more funnier, much funnier uh, this team than the one uh, that was uh, with Almirón in, in charge in yeah. the bench. Yeah, indeed, Pizzi um, is, is still trying to stamp his mark on the team's identity and, and get them to play sort of uh, perhaps in, in exactly his way. But already they're just so much more watchable. It, it's uh, you know they're not the best team in Argentina by any distance. They're not going to win the Superliga this season, um, but. It's not boring to watch them anymore, so that's nice from a neutral point of view. That, that's all that I ask. Um, other the, the other big matches, I guess, Argentinos uh, versus Banfield kicked things off with a five-goal thriller, although it was perhaps a little bit less thrilling um, than than all of that, really, given that Banfield's second goal came in the 90th minute. Um, so it was actually a, a you know looking like a pretty comfortable three-one win for Argentinos until that late flurry. Um, and it was from what I heard about it afterwards um, and from the highlights that I managed to catch Argentinos probably just about shaded it Gabriel Alche had a very good game uh, he scored he scored one or two two I think he scored, he scored or, one apparently uh, one and the other one was I think on goal on and goal had, yes. had a, uh, an assist for Damien Batashini's uh, equaliser and yeah Luciano Lolo scored the scored an own goal to make it uh, at the time 2-0 to Argentinos um, so that was that was good and the other was Lanús versus Vélez which kicked off a few minutes late because for some reason Lanús didn't allow Vélez's players to warm up on the pitch when they should have done Why? Um, was so later on I, I don't know there's, there's some very bad blood between these two clubs from last season so, you remember something happened I can't remember the exact details but there were, there were some incidents then and apparently it was a bit of a hangover from that um, when the game actually started uh, Lanús looked much sharper basically than than Vélez did um, it, it, it was a three-one win, and it was surprisingly comfortable. Uh, I think, really, for Lanús. Lanús got a goal um, very early on in the second half. It was actually nil-nil at half time, and then sort of were able to to pick Belles off, in spite of the fact that Belles did come back into it quite quickly. Uh, there was a flurry of, of 
two goals for Lanus and one for Belles in the opening kind of ten minutes of the second half. Um, so it was a it was it was a strange game, and it was strangely bad tempered as well. And it, and it was another goal. There were a lot of goals. It looked yeah. like in this this round. Yes, there was that one. There was uh, um, Thingamy Lolos for. Uh, For and Dinos against Lolo's Banfield, and there was was there another one as well at some point. Uh, well, at Lens Vélez there was two. There were two. The Lautaro Costa, Lautaro Costa header. Uh, of course, uh, it was an accident for him. And I don't remember the the, the other in this match. Gianetti, the Vélez mm. centre back, uh, which is marked as another own goal, and I don't remember it. But yes, a lot of. Yeah, uh, and and the other uh, this this game we're going to mention as uh, image of the weekend, I think, sponsored by Fanatis. Remember, you can get a seven day free trial and twenty percent off your first three months with Fanatis by going to fntz.co/hop and using the code HOPFZ when you sign up. Um, so my image of the weekend is given. The main reason this is the image of the weekend is that there isn't a scoreboard um, at the Cylindro, uh, so there wasn't an image. We didn't get treated to an image of Racing 1, River 6, written down on in, in digiprint. Um, but my image of the weekend is probably Enzo Kalinski's wonderful um, overhead kick from the edge of the box, which made it 3-0 to Estudiantes with seven minutes to go against Independiente. An overhead kick which I have to admit... I thought Independiente's defenders could have done a bit more to shut down because the ball came to him and he then took three touches to flick it up and turn around. Yes. And was the only thing it. he could have done was a bicycle kick. And exactly, yeah. Um, but when he did it, it was very nicely executed as, as he has been. He's been asked about it almost every day since on the TV station. Yes. They keep sending people over to him to say, Are "You ever going to score a goal like that again?" And so Kalinski, yes. and, uh, um, I and think he that, keeps saying, "No, probably not." I think that I think that inside the pitch, that was clearly the image. Of the of the week or the round, um, <clears throat> and uh, outside the pitch was I think the homage that for for students was special because yes the Tata Brown uh, homage and Malbarnat that's another another uh, homage played play there uh, a former also former player and, and co- coach of Estudiantes. So tell tell us yes. about these for the benefit of listeners who won't be aware that, of what happened, Andres. Yes, well, there were a, a, a match that was organized in which the, the uh, two players for each team, it was, it this happened in every stadium. It was the two captains, wasn't it? Yes, the, the captains in which, uh, well, of course, for Estudiantes was quite uh, different because of the, mm. of the, of the, Players or, or the, the the origin of the of the players that were played or marched for, uh, and yes, uh, the captains of, the, of both teams had to like grab a part of the of the t-shirt, and yes, it was very 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 uh, touchy. I think. Yeah. Uh, so Jose Luis Brown, as as many of you will already have heard, that that he uh, died on. Was it Thursday last week or Friday? Um, he was uh, the centre back who opened the scoring. Um, in the 1986 World Cup final it was the only goal of his international career um, and in that same game uh, he dislocated his shoulder and had to well he didn't have to but he did um, tear a, a hole in his um, Argentina shirt with with his teeth 
hook a thumb through it so that he could carry on playing and sort of in a makeshift sling that wasn't really a sling. Um, and that was, yeah, the, the, so the yes. captains came out with, I think they had shirt, club shirts on over the shirts that they actually used to play, which already had the hole in and they sort of yes. mined biting the hole in the shirt and, and stuck their, their, their fingers through for a minute's silence. Um, and it was, I have to say, when I heard that it was going to be done before the weekend, I thought, oh, that's a bit cheesy and corny. Can't they just have a minute's silence? But when I when I saw it, I was like, mm, no, okay, that's, that, that's is, a nice tribute. Actually. Yes, it's much better uh, than, than the, the one minute of silence because it's never uh, respected. <laughs> and, uh, yes, that as well, uh, even for... <laughs> For an Argentina World Cup legend, it was it was difficult to to imagine absolutely every crowd fully respecting it. Um, so yeah, that th- those are the two images of the round. Then we will say uh, the the minute silences um, and with the very nice homage and Enzo Kalinski's magnificent um, goal. And on that note, now we're going to take a halftime break. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit about Argentina's most recent. Um, international squad list and we will answer some listeners questions so don't go away back um we have the list is the lists uh for argentina and for argentina under 23 both of these teams are playing friendlies um don't know who argentina under 23 are playing argentina are playing chile and uh, mexico uh at the beginning of september argentina under 23 do you know no, no, and, and they, they... We just had to look up what it was even for. It turns yeah. out it, it's a preparatory friendlies for the, the Olympic qualifying tournament, which is going to be in Colombia in January. Um, but They just released the lists and, and don't give any any information. No, exactly. Uh, anyway, Argentina's uh, adult squad consists of the following players. Esteban Andrada, Franco Armani and Agustin Marquesin in goal. The defenders, Nicolas Otamendi, Herman Petzela, Leonardo Ballerdi of Borussia Dortmund. Uh, if you're surprised by that one, then you'll be really surprised by this one. Marcos Rojo of Manchester United. Um, I'm delighted to see a Man United player back in the Argentine team, but Rojo has been injured for about the last 78 years, so I'm surprised that it's him. Uh, Lucas Martinez Cuarta, uh, Gonzalo Montiel, Nicolas Figal and Nicolas Tagliafico. Uh, and Marcos Acuna, who of course tends to get included in the defenders' lists for Argentina squads. Um, these aren't actually split into defenders and midfielders, by the way. I'm just taking the, the squad in roughly the order. Um, in the midfielders, who've been called up are Leandro Paredes, Guido Rodriguez, Giovanni Lo Celso, or Giovanni Lo Celso, as I'm told he says it himself, now that he's gone to England. Nicolás Domínguez, Rodrigo de Paul, Ezequiel Palacios, Matías Saracho, Roberto Pereira, Lucas Ocampos who I think is also an interesting call-up, uh, Manuel Lancini, Joaquin Correa, and Alexis McAllister, uh, and the forwards are Lautaro Martinez, Paolo Dybala, and Adolfo Geich. Some yes. interesting inclusions there. Should we talk about the main national team first, and then the under-23s yes. afterwards? So, 
my, my immediate thing, as, as I said, was that I was so surprised to see Rojo there, and indeed so were many, many other people, uh, that people seem to overlook the fact that Balerdi has, has a call-up, which I think is an interesting one. I've not actually managed to catch um, very much of Dortmund. I caught um, we some don't know highlights whether, of their opening Bundesliga game. You know either uh, uh, if he had plays, played regularly or not, uh, in uh, at least Bundesliga or, or, or whatever. Hmm. And yes, oh. basically the, the, the entire back line of defenders is surprising. As Martinez Cuarta, well, yes, he has been playing decently, but I don't know, it's it's strange. Uh, all of the collapse, at least for the for the defense, uh, uh, with the exception of, of Pesela and Lotamendi, who have already been, been called, called up. Um, and the, then it's uh, Adolfo Gaich, who could be playing in this under twenty three and he's called up for the for the national team, the the major the first or the, the main national team. Yeah, you would think as as kind of a reward for his fine performances uh, at the Pan American Games. Um just uh, earlier this month or last month? When was it? We're into August. So in I guess July, it, it I finished this month and started oh, last month, didn't it? Yes. Um obviously also the that, that squad and the forwards list in particular is largely Overshadowed by the fact that Lionel Messi is suspended at the moment for Argentina, um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting load of names. And, and Balerdi, I've just had a look, and Balerdi didn't feature in Dortmund's squad. Never mind in the starting lineup um, for that five-one opening weekend uh, win that, that Dortmund got over um, Augsburg. Um, how often he was playing before that, I don't know. So it's an interesting one to see him called up. Um, let me see whether I can get any stats from him if he was involved in one of the other. Then Figal is another no, one. Not. Strange call-up, uh, I think. Yeah, given... I mean, Independiente aren't in in the best run of form at the moment. And I, I'm not sure that Figal would really be... Ought to be in national team consideration, even if they were. He's not you know, the player that, that we were hoping he might become a couple of years ago. Um, Looks like a, another uh, trying uh, call-up. I mean, they will try or they will try to watch him play, but then it will be like uh, uh, not very consistent call-up because um, imagine if Figal plays, uh, plays well in that uh, friendly and then he independently continues being as bad as he at the yard. Mm. Uh, and he, will he continue calling him up or... or uh, because he played well uh, friendly about uh, of Argentina against Chile, it's strange, really. Yeah, I mean, so between him, between Rojo and Balerdi, who've not really played very regularly, um, Otamendi, who who isn't going to be playing that regularly for Man City anymore, you're sort of scrambling around a little bit for outfield players who are who are actually playing. I mean, I guess, okay, Lucas Martinez Cuarta plays regularly, but in the Argentine League and, and the Libertadores, where the, the level isn't quite as high, um, Germán Petzela, I believe, still captains Fiorentina, doesn't he? He was last season, anyway. Yes. Um, so he's playing regularly, but apart from that, it, it's not a particularly inspiring defence. Um, the others, of course, the, these are friendlies, and part of the, the thing is to try and get this new generation coming through. Um, but it looks, looks like there but, are yeah. too many changes, uh, especially taking into account that that uh, qualifiers start in eight months or, or March, I think. March, yes. Uh, and there won't be there won't be any more friendlies or uh, at least if 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 there, if there are I don't know uh, after Mexico uh, 
friendly. No, I think there is. I think there's an international weekend in November. Oh, okay. Um, but they, I, I don't know when they actually have anybody lined up for it yet. But there will probably okay. be a match that they'll play at least well. or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a from the midfield and, and and forward again. Considering that Messi can't be involved, um, not really displeased with it. I, I think mm. it's interesting to see Lucas Ocampos back in there. Um, it's very interesting to see Alexis Macalister yeah. um, getting a call up already. You know, after he'd gone to Brighton, and if he if he does well in the Premier League, it wouldn't be um, that much of a surprise. But but to see him getting a call up on the back of you would assume on the back of his recent of the way he started for Boca rather than of his Argentinos performances last season. But I think it's it's well deserved. Um, then it's Nicolas Dominguez uh, in the midfield, which I think yes, it's one of those kids from Vélez that uh, independently of the of the results uh, that aren't uh, very good in the last rounds in Superliga uh, the he's he's I think he's promising or he's uh, doing well there uh, several kids from Vélez but of course you you won't call you won't call up uh, Dominguez Robertone um, and I don't know uh, which other kids are there but uh, mm. I mean well Monito Vargas is oh no it's in the under 23 right uh yes 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 well for for the uh, former Venice in this yeah. case but yeah yes. moving on to the under twenty three uh Facundo Mura Neuen Perez Francisco Ortega um are the goalkeepers obviously I'm no. less familiar with some of these names no in this case so I, I don't know why up. they they they're not in order at all are they yeah they put they're it in the other in the other so row. I'm not even I'm not going to attempt in fact to remember who is in which positions in under 23s because as I say some of these names are much less familiar to me than others but the squad is Facundo Mura who isn't a goalkeeper <laughs> he's a he's a fullback uh, Neuen Perez Francisco Ortega Claudio Bravo Marcos Senesi Lisandro Martinez, uh, that's the Lisandro Martinez who's currently playing for Ajax uh, in defence, who was with Defensa Justicia last season. Cristian Romero, Marcelo Herrera, Fausto Vera, Kevin Gutierrez, Santiago Ascasibar, Nicolás González, Ezequiel Ponce, who I'm really surprised to be there yes. because he was very, very ordinary indeed when he was back in Argentina. Um, Julian Almares of River, Matias Vargas, as Andres just mentioned, formerly of Vélez, now of Espanyol, Nicolás Capaldo of Boca, Lucas Robertone of Vélez, Carlos Valenzuela, uh, who's the youngster that we mentioned a week or two ago, of Barracas Central, but who was previously with Racing, Agustín Ursi, Santiago Colombato, Ezequiel Barco, uh, Gonzalo Maroni, Juan Pablo Cozzani, who I don't think I've heard of, mm-hmm. um, Ezequiel Centurion, Joaquín Blasquez, and Julián Carranza. These three are the old keepers. They, they put it the other way around. Oh, so uh, they are, yeah. Yes. Good spot. So the last three there are the keepers. Um, and there are two things, or, well, I mentioned, for example, Robertone, who is called up, and Vargas are called up, are, uh, have been called up for the NN23, and, and Nicolás Domínguez for the main yeah. national team. Both, all, of, all of them. Well, Vargas has or has uh, had been playing for Vélez since uh, until this uh, last uh, season, hmm. and I don't know why they are called up one for the one uh, team and and the other two for the other. Uh, yeah, it's it's a strong. I, I guess I can see the logic with with Vargas going to the under twenty threes. Maybe um, they want to, you know, he's just moved clubs and, and they want to see how he's yeah. getting on there. But then they've got some players in the in the main squad as well. If you know. 
who either just moved or who they're not that familiar with as well. So it's a bit of a strange one. Um, but overall, as we said last week, Fernando Batista, we mocked him when he was when he came in, but Argentina played really good football in, in the Pan American Games. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he moves this group on. And, and it's at the same time as well, it's encouraging to see that some of the players who did well at the under-23s, yes. um, you know, Gaich in particular, um, are going to get the chance to... Yes. To at least train with the senior squad. And Batista, uh, as well as uh, Scaloni, who I, I I heard that they are working together, together mm. uh, which is something to, to, to remark because it is a long time since uh, this doesn't happen that the the youth division, uh, the youth national team works together with the coach of the national of the main national team. Yeah, and he's bet. Uh, Uh, bringing some of the players that have played the Pan American and some other new, like I think Colombato, well, Cosani would, I, I neither uh, even heard his, his name, uh, Capaldo, for example, well, Robertone, then Ursi and Valenzuela had already been in the, in the team, yeah. Nahuan Perez, Facundo Mura, Ortega, uh, and well, then, then there are uh, some, and Fausto Vera, then there are a lot of new players Ascasibar who, who appears in the under 23 also yeah it's interesting to see Ascasibar sort of back in the junior squad after not yes. really managing to, to gain a foothold in, in, the, um, in the adult squad uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they get on we will move on to listeners questions I'm going to begin with email uh, otherwise I forget because Ese Todoroki has sent me an email he's got two questions he says first do you really think that River will go for the Superliga title this season Well, as, I, as long on. as the results are like this, it will. They will be like uh, there won't be any option. They they won't have the option not to go for for it. Uh, they have the the possibility to uh, get a magnificent victory against uh, Racing because they, all, they also have the time to. Uh, they there were five days since Saturday until tomorrow that they will play uh, home against Lee. Uh, Actually, you're quite right. That's one factor that we didn't mention in comparing Rivers and Boca's performances at the weekend was that River played on Saturday in the league and play on Thursday in the Libertadores, yes. whereas Boca played Sunday evening in the league and are playing tonight, Wednesday evening in the Libertadores, which is a bit of a weird way around to schedule it, really, especially given the fuss that River made about the, the second legs uh, where River play later, yes. uh, a day later, in spite of the Super Classico being the following weekend. Um, it, it, it's a bit... I don't know whether Comebol and the Super League. I thought they were compensating. We, I think, by, by we, scheduling it this way around for the first leg. I, I just said that the the uh, that Batista and, and Scaloni are working together, and this doesn't seem to happen between Comebol and and Super League. No, Um But yes, I, I mean, I I would say I think that River will continue to go for the Super League title until they end up in the. If it happens, they end up in the quarter uh, semi-finals of the Libertadores, and particularly if that happens against Boca. Having said that, it's going to be a little bit mitigated um, by the fact that, as, as we just said, the ahead of the semi-final first legs, the time would be River against Boca, um, and therefore there might be some prioritising. It might be that uh, that they decide to take. You know, the, the River or Boca or both decide to take the the um, the, the Libertadores Super Classicos more seriously than the league one um, and think, right, well, we'll let them have the bragging rights for the league. We just want to make sure we win the Libertadores. Um, 
But uh, I, I think that that's going to affect it massively again. If, if River are into the semi-finals or the final of the Libertadores, then they're going to sack off a couple of league games. And if that results in them falling behind in the title race, which it, you know the evidence of recent seasons suggests that it might or will, um, then they will not be too bothered about clawing it back up, I wouldn't have thought. Yes, and, and well, at least good news for River is that they, uh, uh, except for Quintero, and there is Pinola that finally he will be in the bench tomorrow because he has... Already been injured since the first leg of the uh, Corsairo match, uh, the uh, round of 16. Um, they have the full squad now with Skoko, with, uh, uh, with who was someone who, who uh, supporters were expecting, and it was discussed whether he will uh, he, it will be good for him to stay at River or, or to leave. Well, and now he's he's back, so it's only Quintero, I think. Uh, I was going to say it's not quite the full squad. There's still. The most important member of the squad, for those of us who like football, is still missing. Um, but he's, well, yeah, Quintero. I mean, he's working oh, yes, with the yes. ball again, isn't he, in training? But there's still no date, unfortunately, on him coming back. I think River are going to have to get to the semi-finals if we're going to see Quintero in the Libertadores this um, this year. Uh, Essay's other question was, high, is there a high chance that Lucas Bernardi will get another managerial job this season after Godoy Cruz sacked him? I forgot that he'd been fired by Godoy Cruz. Uh, Again, yeah. Um, it, I mean, in terms of what his level of managerial ability appears to be, I would say that there shouldn't be a high chance. But we all know that that's not necessarily the only uh, factor when clubs are deciding who to give managerial jobs to. Um, we've said this about Argentina. It gets said, you know, in the English leagues. It gets said everywhere, I'm sure. Um, logic would suggest that Lucas Bernardi has now demonstrated on a number of occasions that he's not a particularly bright manager and ought to stop getting opportunities. Uh, but the way that football works suggests that he's going to be in charge of another Superliga club at some point it, this season. Uh, apart yeah. from that, it depends when uh, or where, because, um, for example, Ramon Diaz has been being the coach of uh, Arabian teams uh, recently and he has been offered, uh, I don't know whether it's... No, no, not the national team, a team from Egypt... Uh, and, and and he declined the offer, so he's uh, more uh, apparently he's more considered in, in 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 those countries than in South America or Europe. So we don't know whether Bernardi is offered to to be the coach of any strange team in in, in I know in Africa or Asia. We don't know that. Mm. And you have also Hector Cooper, uh, the I know where where he's still the Egypt national team uh, coach. I don't think so. If, or, or well, I don't know really, but we have these coaches that are have been successful, or these have been in, in great teams or good teams, and now they are not. They are in teams uh, that are far away. Hector Cooper is now the uh, national team manager of Uzbekistan, apparently. Well, Crumbs. Well, you have there uh, some examples. Indeed, indeed, you do. Um, <laughs> yikes. Uh, anyway, moving on to. Our Twitter listeners' questions. Uh, Sobstel says, "Is Racing already out of the championship run before it started for real?" There are only three games gone, but that is only three games is still well over a tenth of the season now, isn't it? Um, and with two points, and with Arsenal, for example, having picked up um, nine out of a possible nine, uh, you would have to say that Racing's chances don't look. 
fantastic. The problem there. is that not only that they have two points, but also the way that they lost against River make the the, mm. uh, the whole team uh, lose credit and lose. Uh, 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 perhaps uh, they don't. They don't believe right now that they can play the way they used to. So that's the most important thing: the confidence, of course. There the are confidence people, in themselves and also in the manager. There are people I mean. that say that uh, football is all about uh, the moves and the way you 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 are in the when when you have to play the, those matches. Uh, the matches and Racing right now is not at their best uh, no. in that at that point. Uh, and and you know. Uh, uh, Two or three weeks ago, we were talking about Caldet as a possible replacement for Gasciardo. If Gasciardo leaves River sometime, we were talking about Caldet as one of the, the people who ought to be in the conversation for the national manager's job. And now, after that performance, um, he, he won game on his own, really. But also, Racing's generally slightly sluggish start to the season seems to have, have put all of that up in, up in the air. He more or less confessed that he can't beat River, which is it's really... Uh, 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 well, it's that doesn't happen every day. That you you confess and you admit that uh, well, River is a team I can't I can't beat. Mm. I, I can't play against them. Uh, I prepare the matches against River, and when the, we play, when the match comes, we play differently. Uh, yeah. it's really hard. Yeah, uh, Lawrence Hart says our racing and defensor Ijusticia are still dining out on last season's achievements. Uh, Sort of asked that last uh, earlier on, didn't we? Um, but I mean, as I said, so we've just covered Racing and, and Defensive Justicia, as I said earlier, have had an absolutely massive amount of squad turnover, um, which which really hasn't helped them at all, uh, and indeed started to relax a lot even in the Copa Superliga when last season was still going on. And the worst part for Defensive Justicia is that perhaps there are supporters. Uh, uh, saying, well, we can bring Becachese back and he's not doing very well also at, at Independiente. So, uh, no. um, the other thing, of course, for both Racing and Defensive Justicia is, is that they're going to be in the Libertadores next year because of their <laughs> league yes. performances. I mean, they're going to have to buck up in a few months' time if, if they can't do right now. Um, Jamie says, where does Kalinski's bicycle kick rank? In the greatest Superliga goals ever. Unfortunately, Jamie hasn't put the word ever in capital letters there because I wonder whether he's talking about since the Superliga began last season, in which case it's quite high, um, or whether he just means the Argentine top flight history, in which case it's probably some way further down the list. Um, It was very good. It was the best goal of the weekend, in my opinion. It was probably the goal of the season so far. Um, I can't remember any better. Um, uh, it, it's it's yeah. a shame that, uh, or it's a pity that uh, Puskas prizes have already been nominated. Uh, well, presumably this one will be eligible for next year's. Yes. I don't know exactly what the, the eligibility dates are, but yeah, you're quite right. It's uh, it, it's that kind of one that that they'll stick in to show that they do pay some attention to leagues from the rest of the world, which is what they did, of course, with Quintero's free kick. Quintero's free kick. Yes, you you mentioned this before. I was going mm. to. Uh, Ronnie Mazumda says, given the altitude, would Boca be happy with a slim defeat in the first leg in Quito? Um, I would say, I mean, I don't think that they will be if if they lose the game. But I would say that as long as they score uh, and get an away goal, a defeat wouldn't necessarily be the worst result in the world. But really... The amount of experience that Boca have, the amount of experience that Gustavo Alfaro has, you expect them to be able to set up 
um, to get a result. I mean, the altitude in Quito is is a factor, but it isn't as uh, much of a factor as it is in La Paz, for example. Um, so it's going to be an interesting game, but but I don't think that um, that Boca are incapable of coming away with anything. I don't think they need to be going into it thinking, oh, we can't possibly win this. I think that Boca will will uh, score at least one or two goals here at the, in the second leg. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't see a bad a bad result as uh, any any draw with one one of course with goals. Or even nil nil because I think that Boca here with their power they have an attack and, and play at the Bombonera it won't be very hard for them to score. Uh, Ronnie also says, do you guys think that uh, Lautaro Martinez deserved a spot on the national team rather than the under twenty three side? Yeah, I do. But I uh, think that he then correct he corrected himself and say Lisandro or Lautaro. I don't know. Ah, Ma- Alessandro Martinez. I see what he means. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, quite right. Sorry, Andres. You, you, I, I thought he was just yes. wanting us to confirm that Lautaro Martinez's uh, spot was fine, in which case, yes, I'd be fine with it. Lisandro Martinez, uh, I, I mean, the truth is I've not seen him for Ajax, so I don't know what his current form is like. Um, it's difficult to say, uh, but he, he could be another one of those guys who we mentioned a few minutes ago who have just moved clubs and so they want to check out how they're doing in Europe so far before chucking them into full national team action. Having said that, as I mentioned... They've called up a bunch of defenders for the senior national side who aren't really playing very often, if at all. Um, I don't see how uh, Lisandro Martinez would be less deserving of a place at centre-back for Argentina's full side at the moment than Marcos Rojo is. And that's a good question to do to, or, or to ask. Uh, what, what is better, a, team, a player that is actually in Europe but we don't know whether he's regularly uh, playing the first uh, team or... A player that you know that is playing regularly, but not at their best level, like Figal or like, uh, uh, well, what was the other one I, I we mentioned? Um, I forgot <laughs> the, the, oh, the right yes. backs. Yeah, I've, I've the closed the, um, the list, but yeah. Well, and yes, when you said that earlier, I mean the the thing is though, that while we don't know, you would expect yes. um, Mar- well, Marco Rojo, who hasn't been yes. playing, you would right ex- now. you would expect Scaloni to know. Yes. what kind of level these players are playing at. You'd expect Batista to know and you would expect them between them to be able to have a chat with each other and decide, uh, which presumably they have done. You know, we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, um, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says solid start to the season for River. Didn't expect them to, I didn't expect them to give Racing a pasting. Do you think they will take the league title seriously this time? Another one. Uh, we've answered that one already. You didn't know that, Liam. So sorry, but yep. Um, Darren Paul says, just discovered Banda de Turistas. Truly excellent, much like the midfield of River at the weekend. How long will you lads keep hold of De La Cruz, Palacios and Borre? Uh, what drugs were Atletico Madrid on when they sold Borre to River? Well, when they sold him, uh, he wasn't at this level, of course. And, no, and it had in fact, to they only loaned him initially as well, didn't they? I think it was a loan, possibly with an option Villarreal. to buy. He was at Villarreal on loan, I think, but yes. But uh, then they also they loaned him to, to River... Um, River then subsequently bought him, I think, at the beginning of this year, yes, maybe? Yes, yes. I don't know whether he they have to uh, buy another percentage or they had already have already done that, uh, but it was with percentages of, of mm. the transfer. Yeah. Um, but no, look, I, I think that Borre... Um, there are lots of reasons that players can move to Europe and struggle to, to settle or whatever. I mean, as, as we've clearly seen with Quintero... 
to mention him again, it's not always down to your footballing ability. Um, it, it can be down to, to the culture. It can be down to, to to who you hang out with or whatever. It, it can be down to lots of things. Um, so Borre, I think, is, some, is a player who's going to find his feet and is really is starting to find a footballing identity and, and is perhaps a slightly later bloomer um, than some of the players who, who go to Europe. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to Europe at some point in the future. Even then, I will say, he still has to sort his head up because he still picks up some really stupid bookings and sendings off occasionally in, in some quite big games. I mean, he missed the second leg of of, this, of the Libertadores final last season for applauding the referee or for insulting the referee or something and, and getting a... Yes. Was it a booking or a red card as a result of it or something? Yeah, well, the, 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 the other day against, um, against Racing, he could have been sent off. Yeah. He, he had a, this... Yeah, for a really, you know... The, the, Silly and slightly nasty foul. Um, yeah, De La Cruz is, is is coming into his own as well, and Palacios is is back at the same kind of level that he was uh, at the end of last year. Because really, he had a pretty poor first six or seven months of 2019. Um, when you bear in mind that when he played in the Bernabeu in last season's Libertadores final, everybody was thinking, "Well, this is fitting because he's going to be joining Real Madrid during the." winter uh, in Europe or summer here transfer window um, and that didn't end up happening and after that his, his level really fell off quite a bit um, and now he's starting to pick it back up we have three, three cases with different uh, levels in different times because uh, Santos Borre was even low recently mm. uh, and now he came back again he, uh, he came back to the, the, those performances in which uh, we uh, well, I think it was last year in which he played his best matches, and now in the first part of the year was again in a in a low uh, level with not scoring go- even uh, not uh, scoring goals almost against Peles was had been the last one, and then uh, if it was February or March, then it was three or four months since uh, with no goals for him, and then again started pressing the defenders. Scoring now again against Racing against, against Lanús, and for the, in the case of uh, De La Cruz, it was a long time since he could adapt himself to, to River and to well, you could, we could say the country also, and now he's uh, key I think, uh, and in the case of Palacios yes like you said, uh, when it was mentioned that he could leave or he would sign for Real Madrid, he he was injured he became injured and apart from that oh that's right I forgot about the injury yeah but when he came back he wasn't uh, at at his best and now again he's recovering that that level that also proves or that uh, 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 helps to understand why River played the other day the way they played against Racing Mm. with all of those players that in different times had their performances being quite low now all of them were at their best yeah, uh, Darren also says, why doesn't Caldet have that nous to try and adapt to the way that River play the game? Uh, we could have been, I think, well, he says we couldn't, but I think he meant to type we could have um, been behind after 20 seconds. We turned the ball over within eight, within eight seconds with a lump over the top. Is that what we can enjoy for the rest of the season? Just hit and hope. We, uh, in Darren's tweets, of course, refers to Racing. Um, <sighs> It, it's it's kind of a weird one. I I, I think that we, we have praised Caldet in the past for his high intensity, um, high pressing, direct attacking, um, and I I think that a Racing are resting on their laurels slightly, as Lawrence uh, mentioned in his question. And I think that one of the the issues 
that that Racing have had and that Central had at times as well is is that he's only got one gear to operate on. I, I think maybe there's still that little bit of managerial development to, for him to learn, which is something that Gasharado, for instance, is is very good at doing, especially in the big games. If he finds that it's going against River and that River can't play the football that he'd like them to play, then he's happy enough um, to say to them, right, it's going to be ugly this game, but let's try and make sure we win it. Um, Caldet still kind of, I think, maybe just lacks that little bit of of, uh, of that. It's something that you would hope uh, he can learn still. Looks like uh, he doesn't have a plan B. Mm. It's like he plays, uh, ha- uh, wants to play uh, away, uh, and if they can't play that way, well, there haven't any, they don't have any other ideas. And, and River, for the contrary, they have quite a lot of alternatives and options. Would you say? I mean, so obviously part of it is is, is the the squad building has been very different off the pitch between River and Racing, and River have uh, more. Um, resources to call on in that area, but would you say that part of it could be? Do, do, is it reflected at all in their kind of styles as, as, as players as well? Because I mean, I only really saw the tail end of Chacho Cordet's playing career, um, but I always think of him as having been quite a sort of all-action um, central midfielder who, you know, only really had one. <laughs> well, he had he had two settings, on or off, um, and when he was on, it was a hundred miles an hour all the time. Um, and there wasn't really very much in between. Is that accurate, or am I mischaracterising him as a player a bit? No, no, it's, I think he's right. Okay, good, that's a relief. Uh, Darren finally says, has there been more of a fan favourite Copa Libertadores winner since Liga de Quito took it back in 2008? What wonderful scenes there were back then. Bausa breaking down after the final penalty. Scenes. Um... From a neutral point of view, obviously, which is what Darren means. No, I don't think there will have been. Because 2009, I mean, you could argue that 2009 is Estudiantes. Um, that sort of uh, the fourth title after the, the, the romance 40 years later um, from their wins in the late 70s. Um, no, hang on, no. Late 60s. What am I talking about, late 70s? Um, but no, I'm, since then it's been what? Who won it in 20? It's been some Brazilian sides. And then San Lorenzo, River... Mineiro Mineiro or or Internacional? Atletico Mineiro, sure. Oh, Atletico Mineiro, yeah. I think, actually, that's an easy one to overlook because that was with Ronaldinho as well, wasn't it? He came back before everybody found out he was a fascist um, when it was still all right to like him. So that that was probably, at the time, there. And Atletico Nacional played some good football as well. And that that was certainly the the most recent one that was from... um, Oh, I'm going to upset somebody by saying this. But from outside the big countries in South America... I say I'm going to upset people because, of course, Colombia is actually a more populous country than Argentina. Um, but in terms of South American uh, footballing prowess, uh, you would have to say that it's, it's largely been third or fourth. I mean, really fourth at a national team level, but at club level, probably third or fourth uh, behind uh, Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that the, the last one to come just completely out of left field probably was Liga de Quito. Yeah, you're quite right, Darren. Um, and Darren then says, favourite current player at your club? Question mark. Wait, sorry? Who, who is your f- current favourite River player, Andres? At this point? Well, Matias Suarez. Okay, that's interesting. Do you think he should be in the national team? No, no, leave it to River, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, I think he, he started playing and then lost participation in the, in the, in the team and... 
And no, I, I don't think so. I don't think he... Uh, perhaps, in the contrary, he now has a level for national team. And when he was called up, it wasn't so. Uh, and he needs, needs more time to play for River at a certain level to say, yes, okay, I, I call up Matias Suarez because he's playing at River at a constant level or a good level for since a, a, a long time ago. And, and, and to lie saying that, yes, I watched him play for Belgrano also and I was going to call him up when he was at Belgrano. No, it doesn't, it's not true. No, indeed. Uh, uh, no, I, I'm going to go with uh, Marcus Rashford. It's tricky. I'm enjoying Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I uh, haven't really seen very much of him at Palace last season. Um, but no, he's uh, Rashford overall for me at my club. Um, and then the final tweet is from Ronnie, uh, who, as Andres said earlier, corrected... Well, not really corrected himself, but clarified um, that he was talking about Lisandro Martinez and not Lautaro Martinez. And what that means is that we are now going to go away. And when we come back, you will hear Mystic Sam taking on Mystic Wayward from Haywood with this weekend's predictions. Don't go away. Here we go then. Mystic Sam versus Mystic Wayward from Haywood. Last weekend's results, by the way. Uh, Nate beat me. 5-4. So... Congratulations, Nate. And now, here we go. Arsenal de Sarandí versus San Lorenzo. Getting straight in there with a very tasty-looking game, given how those two teams have started the season. Um, Mr. Wayward is going for a draw. I'm going for an Arsenal win, which I feel is sticking my neck out rather more than it should be, given that Arsenal have had a perfect start to the season. Um, Gimnasia versus Defensa y Justicia. We both think that Gimnasia will win. Belles versus Newells. Wayward says Newells to win. I say a draw. Central versus Patronato de la Juventud Católica. We are both going for a win for Central. For Independiente against Colón. Wayward says Independiente. I'm saying Colón to win. Uh, for Godoy Cruz versus Estudiantes. Wayward says Estudiantes. I'm going for a draw. Union versus Lanús. Uh, Wayward says draw I say Lanús Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero versus Racing uh, we are both going for a Racing win in that one to finally get them off uh, out of the blocks uh, we're both going for River to beat Tacheres. we're both going for Boca to beat Banfield away um, for Aldo Sibi versus Atletico Tucumán Wayward says an Aldo Sibi win I am going for an Atletico Tucumán win um, and for Huracan against Argentinos Juniors, Wayward says a draw, and I think Huracan are going to win. Uh, we're going to start this week giving you our match of the weekend for those of you who are using the opportunity uh, to get a subscription to Fanatis via the very kind offer that they've got. Go to fntz.co slash HOP and use the discount code HOPFZ. And you will get a seven-day free trial, followed by 20% off your first three months. Um, I actually think that Arsenal versus San Lorenzo, that very first one of the weekend, um, could very well be one of the matches of the weekend. Yes. And having yeah, said yeah. earlier that I need to try and catch Arsenal this weekend, I'm quite annoyed to find that that is precisely when I'm going to be in the pub uh, playing pool. And unfortunately, it's not. I, I don't really get to choose when I go to the pub to play pool. I have to go. Of, at of course, time this, of the week. this happens when you release the the, the schedules. 
a lot of time ago, which is of course the best mm. way of doing it. But then when you find out that end up with the league leaders playing one of yes. the other informed teams on a yeah first thing on a Friday evening, um, yeah, Vélez versus Newells I think could be good fun as well. Newells have started yeah. perhaps a little bit less. Um, balls to the wall than Belles were under Gabriel Heinze last season um, but both of those teams are capable of playing good football on their day in both spite teams. of you know, what Belles did in, in Lanús when they lost quite heavily the weekend just gone but. both teams from Rosario started well uh, and with the reason of being uh, uh, complicated in the, in the relegation zone or close to the relegation zone and they started quite well or quite better than, than we expected at least mm. They did. Any other attractive fixtures this weekend that you've that you can see on that list, Andres? Well, I think that is, of course, the one of the most entertaining, uh, the one you mentioned. And I checking out right now the the other fixtures. Sorry. Mm. Just seen by the way that yeah. Arsenal against San Lorenzo is actually a nine o'clock kickoff. There, there's only it's the only game on Friday night, so there's a chance that I might be able to get back from the pub if I get, if I get there early. Okay, I, be be I, I, I don't find much. More entertaining matches than, than Arsenal against Alonso. Uh, River against Tacheres, but the River plays on tomorrow, so we don't know whether. It's a bit up in the air as to a how seriously River will be taking that in yes. between the two legs of their of their Libertadores um, uh, quarter final, and also you know what kind of football Tacheres are going to be playing because they've been. Uh, we've not been talking about them much so far this season on Hand of Pod, you know, and, and there's. I'm not saying they're absolutely, you know, they're not awful, but they're not one of the more attractive teams to watch either. Um, Banfield and Boca could have, could be, but Banfield is another team that, uh, when while in the last season, uh, tried to play well, even when they didn't have the results, uh, they started this time not at the best. So. Uh, I, I doubt whether they can do anything against Boca. No, and it'll be interesting to see whether Estudiantes can follow up um, that pretty impressive second half performance against Independiente um, on, was it Monday? It was on Monday, wasn't it? Yes. Um, with something away to Godoy Cruz. Uh, but Godoy Cruz themselves aren't in very good form, so I'm not really sure that that's going to be uh, one of the you know, it's not going to be an attractive match, let's say. Um, but yeah, Arsenal-San Lorenzo, I think, is my pick for yes. potential match of the weekend, which of course means it's going to be absolutely unspeakably bad and all of the others will be brilliant because that's what normally happens. Uh, but we will have to wait and see. Um, if you are a Hand of Pod Patreon supporter, then we would like to say thank you very much indeed. Um, owing to the rather busy schedule and the fact that this was the only slot we could find in the week to record and the fact that Andres now has to... Um, uh, get off sooner rather than later I'm going to give you a hand of pod extra uh, a little bit later in the week I might record it this evening or I might record it tomorrow uh, but my girlfriend has volunteered herself to be uh, my sounding board um, for that so you will be getting a hand of pod extra just might not go out at the same time as this episode and if you want to listen to hand of pod extra when it does go out uh, then you can go to patreon.com slash hand of pod we are tremendously grateful to those of you who've already signed up uh, for your money it, it means an awful lot to us. Uh, so thank you very much indeed. And for now, thank you and goodbye from episode 351 from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me, thanks and goodbye. First leg of the Libertadores quarterfinals finished. Uh, it, uh, the altitude didn't turn out to be an issue at all. Uh, Boca won 3-0. They were helped by two red cards from Liga de Quito, one either side of half-time. Um, 
So they're taking three away goals back to the Bombonera next week. Daniele De Rossi did not make his Libertadores debut. That presumably is going to come next week. We'll have to wait and see.